everybody, it's me, Greg Miller, and I wanted to let you know Comic-Con is coming up and Kind of Funny is going to be there. So if you're at San Diego, we have a bunch of stuff you can come do with us, and you don't even have to have a Comic-Con badge. On Thursday, we're going to Polite Provisions. We're doing a meet and greet there. 5 p.m., you don't need a Comic-Con badge. You do need to be 21. Don't blame me. Those are the drinking laws in the United States of America. Friday, we're doing the Game Over Greggy show at Petco Park as part of Geek and Sundry studio stage. No Comic-Con badge is required. We're doing that at 3 p.m. And then I'm moderating a whole bunch of Comic-Con panels. If you do have a Comic-Con badge, so come hang out with me in the convention center. All the details are up on kindoffunny.com slash news, so head over there for the full rundown. What's up, guys? Welcome to the first ever episode 26 of the Kind of Funny Games cast. As always, I'm Tim Geddes. I'm joined by the coolest dudes in video games, Greg Miller, Colin Moriarty. Yay! Yay. It's your golden episode, because you just turned 26. I did. So this is your golden episode. If episodes were years, this would be how old I am. The show would be how old I am. I mean... You, if episodes were years, the show would be as old as you are. That Mm -hmm. would make sense, yeah. Yes. But they're not. They're just episodes. Yeah. But the, so number, the number the number is still how old you are. Numbers don't mean anything. Okay. Guys. This is a nice they shirt. How about that? It is. It is I like it a lot. It it's upsetting. Shirt. There's a lot of origin story to this. I won't get into the whole thing. But I originally bought my pigeon shirt because I was jealous that Scott Lowe had a dinosaur shirt. Sure. And I wanted that dinosaur shirt. And they stopped selling it. So then I saw the pigeon shirt. And I'm like, yeah. pigeons will do. So now I've just been on the this. The dinosaurs of the sky. Yeah. This, di- this like struggle. I found the sharks. And... um. Yeah, they are. They're the dinosaurs of the sea. So that was that was your story. That was like a long story. Just that. No, there's more details that we don't need to get into. You all bought that. a pigeon shirt and then later bought a shark shirt. <laughs> yeah, that was the story we just heard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. There's a Mickey Mouse shirt in there somewhere too. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's part of your new prints. I just like all these like all over animal print stuff. Mm. It's good. It's a look. Do we still count Mickey Mouse as an animal? Mm-hmm. Okay. He is a mouse. I know. I know. Don't get me wrong. If I know technically know. he's a mouse. Yeah, but he's also a person. Yeah. Guys, this is the Kind of Funny Games cast. Every week we talk about video games. Four topics broken up day by day, Monday through Thursday on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Games. Full episode on Friday at that same place. Oh. Also, you can get it early, Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. It's great. You should do it. It's awesome. This one, it's worth the dollar. Yeah. Hey. Right. I don't know if they've been worth a dollar for a while. Oh, man. But this one definitely. That's harsh. This okay, one's going to be good. It's going to be good specifically because the first topic of the day is Final Fantasy VII, and I am so excited to talk about this. The remake's coming, and I want to know you guys' thoughts on this. What's it going to be? When's it going to come out? Will it ever come out? What systems it's going to be? All the questions. There's these burning questions. Everyone's talking about it on the internet. Everyone's excited about it. Everyone's trepidatious. But why? Because they haven't started it. It's a, the director didn't know he was the director. That's it's yeah, that was that years was, away. That was my favorite story was when, I think it was Nomura, right? Yeah, was saying that uh, it was on Kotaku, I think, when they were saying that he didn't even know that he was in charge of the game until they saw like some sort of slideshow or whatever in the in, at at Square Enix in Japan, and he's like, "Wait, I'm the director of the game." And they're like, "Yeah, you're the director of the game." He's like, "No one told me that." So off to a good start. Yep. Final, uh, Final Fantasy, Fantasy VII remake. Yeah, that game. I mean, the thing, the thing, the reason people have trepidation about it is because, and they should, is because it's a Square Enix game coming out of Japan. So you have every reason to be fucking nervous about it. Not only in terms of uh, its quality, but in terms of uh, its timeliness. Right? Final Fantasy Thirteen, very questionable trilogy. Some people like it, a lot of people don't. Um, and so it's it's it, it makes sense to be nervous about this. But I think moreover, people are nervous about it because it seems like 
Square Enix has a lot of balls in the air mm-hmm. um, and some pretty important balls as well with Final Fantasy 15 and, and Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts 3. Some very important balls, Kevin. Yes. So uh, adding another important ball yeah. in the air when they're already juggling the, the, the clown known as Square Enix. And mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't mean that as a derogatory thing, but let's just imagine just, that the clown you're, you're, is juggling You're balls. painting this metaphor. Exactly. I mean, two balls is usually enough. Yeah, two balls is enough. Three balls, you know, you're getting crazy. it's getting crazy. So, yeah, I, I think people are nervous about it because the game is so clearly in pre-production or yeah. just, you know, as they as I think the verbiage they use just entered production. So you're looking at 2019 probably for this game. And I and would, I'd, and I'd be shocked if you saw it before then. And that's like best case scenario, 2019. Yeah. Because yeah. they Square have to, hasn't had a lot of best case scenarios lately in, in terms of getting games time. out. Yeah. It's a, it's a problem just in the sense that this isn't something you do lightly. This is a game that is now 18 years old. It can't be just remade or remastered. They are, they are, they are releasing the PC port of it to kind of tie people over on PlayStation 4, which I respect, but and I'll play it, and I'm excited about it, actually. I'm very excited about it. Um, are you, but are you going to play through it? Are you just going to yeah, play gonna, it? No, you, I'm going to play through it. You're going to beat it? Yeah. Really? I haven't beaten Final Fantasy VII since I think I was in high school, so... Man. Um, right. Yeah, no, I'm going to play it and beat it, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. It'll mm-hmm. be an old kind of experience that, I, that I'm looking forward to, but this isn't a game that you just hand off to someone Mm -hmm. it's it's important that they do this right which is why i think that they could probably do it in three years but i don't think they will because they have to now sit down with the script and figure out like well do we want to rewrite certain parts they have to sit sit down with the battle uh system materia and all these kinds of things be like is there anything that needs tweaking here uh they have to be very very careful with what they do with this game this is a game that is going to sell millions and millions of copies and needs to be done right because Final Fantasy 7 while I don't think it's this incredibly sacred game that a lot of people think it is the fact of the matter is a lot of people do think it's this very sacred game so I feel bad for them that they you know now that it's real that they're actually doing it it's something mm-hmm. people have been asking for for years but I didn't think they'd ever really do it and I thought that part of it was the fact that they don't think they could do it yeah so there's every reason to be nervous about it but there's reasons to be excited too mm-hmm. so that's my thing is like I'm I'm very excited about it but I'm just as nervous because it's like there's no way that they're going to recapture the magic this, there's no way this is going to be what people want it to be in their heads and that's because really that's my question is what do you want it to be like what is it that you want it? because if you just want uh, the exact same game but just prettier that's not going to happen like there's no way they'll ever do that and it's like should they even do that like is there a purpose for that and would that game even be the same release now. All right, now you're talking nerdy stuff. I'm going to go get coffee. Okay, go. Never, I, don't, I don't like Final Fantasy, though. Yeah. Never Great. played it. Uh, it. I started playing it. I never could get through it because it was really boring. Um, no, I mean, I would want a scene-for-scene, shot-for-shot remake of the game. I mean, I, I think that's like the kind of how you have to treat it. It's not a reboot, right? So it's implicitly called Final Fantasy... Or explicitly called Final Fantasy VII Remake. Remake. Which, which they said that that's not going to be the title. And that, that they only did that to show at the press conference at E3 that, like, this isn't a movie. This isn't a whatever. This is a game. And to me, that means, you know, I think that, you know, and and these are this is what we always talk about with words needing definitions. Like, I don't know what a lot of people think about with remake. But to me, it means you remake what has already existed and you remake it again. Um, which means that you stay true to it, as opposed to a reboot, which is like the Devil May Cry reboot from from Ninja Theory or something, yeah. which is a different game, um, or you know the reboot of whatever movie you know has been rebooted in the last seven years, which is you know everything. Mm-hmm. So, I I personally want to see something that's totally true to the original. So something similar to Resident Evil on the GameCube compared to the yes. PS1 one, where it's like it was very faithful, but you know there was added stuff. That would be to me the ideal situation i just still don't think they're gonna do that i don't either i i i, I just to me if they want to re, you know obviously they if they want to rewrite it 
parts of it. I think that's fine. The translation we got in the States on PS1 for Final Fantasy VII is notoriously bad, um, as a lot of translations were at that point. I mean, when we were talking to Iga about Castlevania Symphony of the Night, and I said to him, um, what is a man? Mm-hmm. He was he didn't know what I was talking about, and Ben Judd was talking about how like that is not even in the original game in Japanese. It's, he asked, mm-hmm. what is a person? Mm-hmm. And that's a totally different thing yeah you know so i think that there's a lot of that kind of stuff going on in final fantasy 7 so, I mean, a lot of the translations are just bad so if they want to rewrite it on the japanese front to make it even better in their language and then have a proper localization like we get now i think that's totally fine but there are just certain things you cannot remove from the game yeah. and i think it's very dangerous to start talking about final fantasy 7 in, in a revisionist sort of way mm-hmm. because i don't think that people that want this game want that yeah if that's what they wanted they would get a new final fantasy 7 game which we already got with crisis core etc but so. i mean that that's kind of the problem though is that you know this revisionist thing where if they were to rewrite it like you're talking about just making the quality of what already existed better like the grammar and just like the storytelling telling the same story just you know more concisely mm-hmm. and and just better mm-hmm. creating a better world with Midgar and all this stuff. Right. But the problem is with what we've seen of the universe of Final Fantasy VII, since Seven has come out, there hasn't been anything that's been amazing. There's been some stuff that was decent. I enjoyed Crisis Core a lot. Yeah, I liked Crisis Core as well. Dirt um, to Cerberus was obviously not very good. Not well received. And like Advent Children, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like everyone was so excited for that being a movie and like continuing and stuff. But really what it comes down to is that movie was just fan fiction mm-hmm. you know and it was a uh, fan service is a better way to to put it it was just like it gave everyone what they thought they wanted at the time but then once they saw it they're like this isn't what i wanted like that's not cloud that's not like why is sephiroth back like this? like the, all these questions came up and they weren't you you didn't feel fulfilled watching it you're just like oh this is cool they're fighting you know but it just felt like a glorified cg cutscene, sure which is great but it's like that wasn't what Final Fantasy VII was. It didn't have the humor and it didn't have the just personality of the characters, you know? And it, it was it was like a weird hot topic meets realism meets Dragon Ball thing, you sure. know? And we kind of saw that then go forward into the aesthetic of Final Fantasy XIII. But what's interesting is I don't think, and especially now that we've seen this trailer, it obviously looks at, like Advent Children. It's like I don't understand how they could rewrite it without just making it more for lack of a better term emo and just more fitting the aesthetic of their the rest of the Final Fantasy 7 universe as opposed to the one standalone thing that is the original game. Sure. Yeah, I I and this is this is the the hazard of doing something like this is that I I don't really feel bad about it because I often said that the financial imperative is for Square to do this because they they can make a lot of money doing it and and, and at, at some point you do have to listen to your fans. Mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VII, for many younger gamers, put Square on the map when they were still Squaresoft. And it wasn't for me. I mean, I was playing, you know, many of us were playing Square games long before that. But for a lot of people, that was a come-to-Jesus moment about Westerners liking PlayStation games, liking role-playing games, liking Japanese games. And so it's a game that holds a special place in people's hearts. So I don't think that, although I don't disagree that, they can go in different directions with Final Fantasy VII, or they can go in different directions with other games they remake. I think with Seven, you have to be very careful because people are going to have a certain expectation of what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily think it's it's controversial to say that most Final Fantasy VII fans want a prettier Final Fantasy VII. Yeah. With cutscenes and beautiful environments and beautiful character models, I don't think they should fuck with the fighting system. I don't think they should fuck with the materia system. And have the same flow through the game. Mm-hmm. You know, don't... I don't, that's the one thing, I still know the game in my head 
pretty well, you know, like where it goes and the places you visit. And those things are still important. So I'd be disappointed if they added a new town or a new playable character mm. or something. It's like that's not what your charge is right now. What you're charged with doing over the next few years is remaking it what already exists. And I understand that the biggest problem, and people have brought this up in the past, and I think it's a, a really important thing to think about, is that the people at Square Enix as in any game developer are – they're creative people and they want to make games and they want to make – they want to implement their own ideas. And to be put on a task like this might be exciting for some people. But for many people, it's going to be harrowing and it's going to be what they don't want to do because yeah. they have a certain confine in which they have to stay within. Mm-hmm. The rules have already been made. The parameters exist for Final Fantasy VII. And so they're going to have to dance the the, 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 the tight walk uh, – tightrope dance of – of what can we do and get away with, but how true do we want to keep it? And, I mean, and that's the fact the, is, the is they worst can't... thing, man, is they're at the end of the day, they are just going to get picked apart for what they did wrong. If, if they did try to perfectly remake the game, no one's going to be there. Like, oh, good job, guys. It's going to be like, oh, you fucked this up. Why didn't you do that? Like, mm-hmm. oh, this character design's off. Oh, this character, you know, all these little things. And that's if they do it perfectly. Like, if they try to actually remake what was already done, if they just try to, if they do what is going to end up happening and just kind of like, make a spiritual ream I don't even what is it going to be like what would you even call that cuz I, so I think they should just call it I think they should call Final Fantasy 7 mm-hmm. and just be like this is Final Fantasy 7 and that's so like yeah what 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 you would call something like that a spiritual successor a spiritual remake of, of I don't I don't know what I know is that um they have their work cut out for them what I know is that this game is nowhere near coming out mm-hmm. um Years away, years away. And that's what's the most interesting to me about this entire announcement is we've talked about it so many times of like this being what Square needed to do to please the fans and all that stuff. But it's funny that it happens now because now is the time when I'm like, this is not when they need to do this. They should have done it a couple years ago or a couple years from now. Like specifically with Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy 15, it's like, let's get those going. Let's get those good, you know, and uh, or else cancel one of them. And make this the priority. Like, not that I would want them to do that, specifically not this fucking long after I've waited for these games. But it's like, don't announce this third thing. That's just like, you're, they're either going to work on it and it's going to take away from the other two games. Or they're not going to work on it and everyone's going to be pissed off that this game just keeps being shown in like really obscure long CG trailers that... You know, a couple points down the line, it's gonna be oh, that character you saw in that trailer doesn't even not even in the game anymore. As an outsider of this whole Square Enix thing, that's the whole point of what's going to happen with this. It's going to be trailer after trailer, talk after talk. Mm -hmm. Every show now, they're gonna Mm -hmm. ask about these three games and what's happening, and the news will never be good. Mm -hmm. The news is never gonna be all right. It's almost done. It's coming out this September. You know, finally that trigger is gonna fall or be pulled. I should say for Kingdom Hearts, for you know the Final Fantasy they're working on too with the guys going on that road trip. But it's like. Now this is hanging over their head larger than – it's looming larger than ever. You know what yeah. I mean? And I thought PlayStation Experience was a weird thing to come out, toy with everyone's emotion, then just do the PC port. But then come out at E3 and say, oh, no, it is. You know, like, what are you doing? Like, what's the plan here? Well, it was clearly – it's clearly something that happened in between. You think it's reactionary to everybody's reaction? Yeah, I think – I mean, I don't know for sure. You know, like, these 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 decisions are made lightly, but it's it was about seven months, six, six, six and a half months between the announcement – of the PC port and then the Final Fantasy VII reboot, which or remake, which is just entering production now. And mind you, we still have no idea who's making the fucking game, um, which is not a good sign either. So uh, we know that Square Enix leadership is producing and directing it, but that doesn't really mean anything. Mm-hmm. Miyamoto's directing or producing fucking Star Fox doesn't mean anything, um, unless you're and, like the director or the producer of that team. But some, a lot of these things are more symbolic or like you know, uh, like Inafune, for instance, is 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 di- helping create and directing and producing. 
uh, record with a studio that is 5,000 miles from from Tokyo. So how how intimate do you think his, his relationship really is with Armature on a day-to-day basis? Probably not very. Um, and I'm not saying the game's going to be good or bad, but it's just something to keep in mind as an ancillary kind of thought. Sure. But the problem with with Seven is 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 indeed was this a reactionary move? And if so, good on them because they're listening to what people mm-hmm. want. But and I I still th- I still think Final Fantasy Seven remake sells more than Final Fantasy Fifteen. Mm-hmm. You know, like I I don't think that that's out of bounds to say. I don't think that's out of control to say. I think Final Fantasy Seven remake is going to be fucking huge. Yeah, uh, and it's going to be huge regardless of when it comes out or how good it is. Um, but I agree with what Greg's saying in the sense that. Square Enix is setting a weird optic issue for themselves where it's like, well, what do you do? Like, where are your games? Like, when are they actually going to come out? Mm-hmm. And they have all these Western games coming out, which is great. You know, something like, you know, Tomb Raider, for instance, but um, which they're publishing. But it's it, 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 it calls up interesting questions about, like, how are they using their own teams and their own internal resources? And also, how are they tapping outside story uh, sources? Because as the stories that I was reading after E3 said, you know, CyberConnect was connected to the Final Fantasy VII thing. And I haven't seen that since, which means that it's probably just a fleeting rumor. But I don't believe they're making this game internally. And, and mm-hmm. one of the big questions you have to ask is, who the fuck is making it? And yeah. then uh, from there, you... Uh, kind of go into a direction of, okay, when is it going to be ready? And when are you going to announce the release dates for these other games that people are yeah. really waiting for? Because I know some people were mad at me when I said it, but Final Fantasy XV, the demo, the fact that they're patching the demo is still some of the stupidest shit I have ever heard in my life. Why are you doing that? You you, you put the demo to get feedback, and then you put it in the main game. Who cares about the demo anymore? Mm-hmm. It shows to me that they have a whole whacked out view of... Um, of when these games should come out and how much time they should be taking on them. Yeah. Um, that's why I still say Final Fantasy 15 probably fall 2016. Kingdom Hearts fall 2017, probably at the earliest, if not 2018. Final Fantasy 7, 2019. Um, it would have been nice for it to be ready on the 20th anniversary, but that would mean that they would have to accelerate the shit out of this. And I will yeah. say, as an aside, that Square has an interesting example, although an unusual example, of how they can do this game, which is in Final Fantasy 4. Um, when they remade 4 on the DS... It was, you know, they made, they made the characters like Chibi and all these kinds of things, and and they rewrote some of the story and, and balanced the difficulty, but it was the same game. Yeah. And that's the example mm-hmm. uh, I want to see. I want to see a retranslation. I want to see pretty graphics and all sorts of things, and throw in a few elements and balance things that weren't unbalanced and get rid of some shit that sucked. but Or add some new things in if you really want to, but make sure it doesn't affect the fabric of Final Fantasy VII. And that's and so I actually think that that is a great example of a game they've already done. Exactly. But so my question to you, Colin, is what is the percent chance that they'll do that compared to doing something else? And what do you think that something else is? Like, do you think that they would make, change the battle system to be more A lot like of rumors 13? about that. I know, but where do those rumors come from? Those aren't, like, the rumors are just rumors of people sure, but, worried, you well, know? This is the, well, it, that and the, the problem with Japanese game rumors, as I think a lot of fans of Japanese games know, is that a lot, some of the rumors are just unfounded. You don't know where they come from. A lot of them comes from sites that we don't read and sources that are totally trusted that we just don't know. So, um it's hard to like boil all that stuff down sometimes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you have to take things on a case by case basis with those kinds of issues with the with the rumors and stuff like that. I think it's about fifty fifty. I think that it's going to be an internal fight with the team. Mm-hmm. And the good news is that you have some people involved in the leadership that worked on the original game, and I think they're going to want to stay true to it. But the the aside from that is that they probably have looked at that game over the last eighteen years and been like, I wish I could change something mm-hmm. about this, and now I can. Yeah, you know, it's not just a static on a black bottom fucking PlayStation One disc anymore. Now it's something that they actually can get into the code and mold again. And so, while I I have faith that the leadership will keep it true, I also have faith that the leadership will now be able to rectify the issues that they were not able to rectify the first time around. 
So it's a it's a super dangerous game. I don't yeah. know. I just know that they the ba- fucking with the battle system is a huge mistake. And that that's what scares. I, that is going to be the news that I'm most excited to hear is if they the battle system what they do with it and if they they change it and it almost worries me though because it's just like I don't know that the battle system makes sense with the aesthetic of Final Fantasy VII what it is now and what this is going to be. Because, I think I think it does. Well, because what we've seen of this CG trailer is that it's Advent Children, and from Advent Children the battles look like crazy ass dragon ball shit that doesn't lend itself to active time battle of we're just gonna walk and hit and walk and hit you know what i mean so it's just like it's i'm gonna be shocked if they they actually go through with that because they're gonna want it to look right and to look modern and to look like a 2019 game yeah but atb is still is still um random encounters it's it's turn-based in the sense of stamina so it's not turn-based like dragon quest but it is turn-based like in the sense that you are taking turns. It's just mm-hmm. that some guys go quicker than you, and so eventually it stacks up where they, they lap you and stuff like that. So I, I think that is still classic. Like, th- that is a classic way to fight in a, in, a, in, a, in a Final Fantasy game, and they shouldn't fuck with that because then it has the law of unintended consequences. How does that affect the materia system? Yep. How does that affect... Like, the materia system will not work properly if you don't have a system like that. It just doesn't work because mm-hmm. then they become more like summons maybe, but that's not really the intent of materia mm-hmm. the, the intent of materia is to make yourself stronger and attach it to your weapons and your equ- accessories so and then it has the effect of how does it affect the enemy designs and the enemies and how many enemies there are and all these kinds of things they can't fuck with that but, shit. Well, see that's what i'm saying though is it's just like i can't imagine so okay that we're really in a in this game in an advent children style game we're gonna see ice monsters little like ice triangles you know what I mean? Well, they don't have to be triangles. They can, in other words, like I'm always thinking about the intro with the soldiers with the guns, right? And like the the, the harrowing intro of Final Fantasy VII, which is a fucking great intro on the train, and they go mm-hmm. up into the tower, and there you you meet a bunch of humanoid enemies with guns, right? They're soldiers. They're they're, they're Shinra, like whatever guys. And you could you could I think they're Shinra. I don't really remember anymore. You could. Uh, Imagine a situation where, like, I in my head, like when I when I saw the Freeman, I'm like, that's I can't wait to see what this looks like. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's still a place for first of all, like I know a lot of people think JRPG systems like that are archaic in a sense. Like, okay, you're gonna run around, you can't see the enemies, you magically appear in a battle with them, and then you like take turns fighting each other. I'm just saying, like, there are games that do that very well still, yeah. and no, and I, I mean, and I don't and I don't think that that that's gonna be a, a massive issue. So if they, yeah, there's like weird polygonal fucking garbage enemies. Well, I was thinking about how cool are those Shinra soldiers gonna look like in the in the remake, yeah, and how real are they gonna look, and how is Cloud going to look in that fight with yeah. the sword and all the you know I don't know. I think I'm talking less about that though and more about the how the actual fight looks. Because like it's not so much about the gameplay, because I'm with like the gameplay should be that way, but it's more about the aesthetics of what we're seeing. Like, is it really just gonna be Cloud just kinda like standing there bouncing, waiting for the, the bar to go up and then walking up and doing a slash? Because from what we know from what the rest of the Final Fantasy VII universe is, it's never like that. It's throwing the sword up, jumping, grabbing, slicing, like doing a million like freaking combos on him. You know what I mean? It's it's more like the Final Fantasy thirteen battle system yeah if, that, if they if they put final fantasy 13 battle system which is fine final fantasy 13's battle system is actually very good i enjoy it a lot uh, but it's not final fantasy 7 no it's not it's a totally different game and yeah. um that was actually one of the only good things about final fantasy 13 was actually the fights mm-hmm. um i don't know man this wasn't enough of them there, there's that's the thing is that there are no answers and i don't think there are any answers at all period yeah. I, I that's the thing is what i'm saying is that i don't think they know Mm-hmm. I think right now they're trying. They're probably rewriting the script and trying to figure out how the fuck they're going to do this. And it's all super nebulous. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the fact that the director didn't know he was the director is all you fucking need to know about this project and how quick it was mm-hmm. coming from fruition. Which is why I think it's a direct reaction to the Ultima Troll moment at in, at PSX in December. You know, 
Like, and that's but that's nuts though that they're releasing that game. That they are releasing a PS4 native version of Final Fantasy VII, and then going to do this, even if it is a couple years later. Like. It's confusing, to say the least. I guess it's confusing. I don't think it's that confusing. I think it's them saying they expected it to be done earlier. It's clearly not. It was supposed to be out by now. Um, and them saying, like, to me, it's not confusing at all. It's them saying, like, here you have your Final Fantasy VII game, and good fucking luck if you think you have any idea when you're going to get the next one, which is their whole MO. I still can't believe there are people that think that Final Fantasy XV and Kingdom Hearts Three are, like, a year away. That's, like, mm-hmm. that's the shocking thing to me. I'm like, you're out of your mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, but Goofy. Goofy, but Goofy said, said him. So just that's how Square Enix works. And yeah. I appreciate them. They, they clearly have a lot of money to burn. So, because mm-hmm. the burn rate on Final Fantasy 15 must be astronomical at this point. And they're still going to put it out and they're patching the demo. So, um, I don't know, man. They're a confusing company, but I do appreciate them. I think that this is a, a good arc forward for them. Now I just want to see Dragon Quest 11. Yeah. Of course you do, Colin. All right. So, we're moving on into the second topic, which is sponsored by Loot Crate. Would you, class, would you classify yourself as a geek, gamer, or pop culture nerd? Then Loot Crate is a subscription box for you. For less than $20 a month, you get six to eight items of gamer and pop culture licensed gear, apparel, collectibles, unique one-of-a-kind items, and more. Make sure to head to LootCrate.com slash KFGames and enter the code KFGames to save $3 on any new subscription. Every month there's a different theme, and you're guaranteed $40 or more worth of items all curated around that theme. They're all inspired by classic movie and video game stuff. You guys know this. We do yeah. it every month, so it's great. Um, this is loot you deserve. And loot you need right now. Basically, Loot Crate's like a friend who knows what you love and surprises you with an awesome present every month. And they ship, ship to over 13 different countries. You have until the 19th at 9 p.m. Pacific to subscribe and receive that month's crate. So when the cutoff happens, that's it. You're never getting that crate again. So you got to get on that. Go to LootCrate.com slash KFGames. Enter code KFGames. Save $3. It's going to be cool. It's going to be awesome. You should do that. You didn't tell me what the theme is this month. I don't know what the Cyber's come and gone. I need to know what's next. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Damn. It wasn't in the, Thank you, wasn't Luke in the thing. They're figuring it out. Thank you, Luke right. Craig, for your support. So this topic is about Nintendo. Something very near and dear to my heart. So at E3, they come out. They announce all these new games. People are thrilled. Some of that statement is true. Some of that statement okay. is not. One of those games was Metroid Prime Federation Force. People lost their mind. They were Another so one of those games was the Zelda Triforce... I don't remember what it was called, but who you cares? Know. Yeah. Triforce Trinkets. Yeah. So um, there's that thing. And people did not like this. The internet uproared. They were angry. They were the upset. internet got mad? Oh, the internet was really I mad. I don't believe that. So for then a Mega 64 made a hilarious video that you guys should check out that uh, was making fun of the internet, making fun of Nintendo, but really they're also making fun of Nintendo because that's how that all works. Yeah. And uh, it was ridiculous. It was really funny, and they they essentially pretended they were terrorists and uh, or a terrorist group that was upset that now, it's a funny. real Metroid Prime. You're wasn't saying coming it's out. funny. You're saying it's a funny video for Mega sixty four. You were also saying they've crossed the line. I mean, this might be it, too much. But it's that's Mega sixty four. I'm aware. That's Mega I love sixty four. I love Mega. But watching the video, I was like, "Good lord!" Like they just do what we would never do because I'm they a podcast bitch. That's they why balls. they really do got balls. They got three balls, Don't just like Square Enix. Three, three balls, but not in the air. Yeah. No. No, they just got they firmly got the good in their sack. Firmly in their sack, Mega sixty four. So they did this, and then our boy Reggie Fizeme came out, and he's just like, "We get it. Look, like we understand people don't are very upset about this, right? But you guys need to play it in order to really understand what we're doing, and we want to make sure that we're breathing new lives into our franchise." And you're talking specifically right now about Metro, about the Metro, Metroid, Metroid, yeah, Metroid. Yeah, Metroid. Metroid. Um, because people had. A lot of issue with the Zelda game too, but that seemed to be a little, a little less aggressive 
But, but you also, know why? You know why? Because they know they're getting the Zelda Wii U that they want. They're getting Zelda Wii U. They've also had Zelda games in recent times. Right. So you know, the, like the last Metroid game was Other M. Before yeah. that, it was Prime Three. And Other M, a home run. Yeah, I mean, Other M. What it, we all thought Samus sounded like. Yeah, Other M I had a lot of issues, Metroid. but it wasn't horrible. Like yeah. I feel like Other M gets a bad rap for being like garbage, but it really just wasn't good. Yeah, you know, I think there's a. Something to be said there. Although, again, Prime 2008 was like the last real great Metroid game. So, for him to come out and say this... You're saying Metro Prime 3? Yes. Corruption. Yeah. Right. Okay. okay. Right? Uh, no, yeah, yeah, I just want to make sure you were... You, were, you yeah. said yeah. Metroid Prime 2008, which would be Sorry, 3, well, not the, the, the original last Metroid, Metroid Prime. which was what, oh, oh, 02? 02, yeah. Yeah. The last Metroid Prime game was 2008, which was Metroid Prime 3 on the Wii. Right, okay. I and understand. that was a great game. It not was. Not as good as the first, but still, like it was great. So, there's no new Metroid Prime game announced. Out of nowhere, they announced this Metroid Prime Ball Hunters, and uh, then they renamed it Federation Force, and there was Hunters on DS and all this stuff, and this looks kind of like a weird successor to that in some way that no one asked for at all. Mm -hmm. I think that's what we're dealing with now is the fact that everyone's like, no one asked for that. Everyone asked for this. Why aren't we getting this? Why are we getting that? I kind of just want to know what you guys' thoughts are on this because for me... I definitely I agree with the people that are upset. I'm like, why aren't we getting this? I totally understand that. But at the same time, it's like I don't think that this game takes the place of that game. And it just the fact that it has the Metroid name almost doesn't matter. Like it's just it's a spin-off thing, and they're just using Metroid because it's the style of game is a shooter type thing. Yeah, yeah. And it's like that's Metroid's there. Shooters. It's like Mario. Just because like a Mario Party game's coming out doesn't mean that a Mario Kart game's not being made. You know? Yeah. I Having hung out with Colin Moriarty long mm-hmm. enough and done Colin and Greg Live long enough, I already know one of the arguments he's going to make about all this, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, sir. Mm-hmm. Lover. Mm-hmm. Is the fact that Metroid historically doesn't sell. It, sell. it sells fine, not juggernaut blockbuster. Mm-hmm. So that's why you're not getting the Metroid game you want. Mm-hmm. Now, the problem with that, our line of thinking when we apply it to this other game, Ball Hunters, is the fact of why apply the Metroid franchise to that? If it already isn't selling, it's not going to sell this weird, not Metroid game that you don't really want thing. You know what I mean? And that's the thing about Mario, right? Mario sells, and we already know Mario can be applied to a million different things, and mm-hmm. the fact that Mario Tennis might come out doesn't stop the next 3D Mario from coming out, right? Whereas with this, I think they're clearly searching for what to do with Metroid, right? Mm-hmm. Metroid Other M was a different direction of like, all right, let's see, you know, Jesus, Prime, critically acclaimed, everybody loves it, these games love it how do we bring it let's but it's not selling can we mm-hmm. sell it if we base it around a story and put the remember me guy in there and all this stuff that's, no yeah, we can't so what's what the be. next way do we play we put out the collection of all the primes right it doesn't sell juggernaut it's not a it's not a mega success so now you gotta you go and reapply here it's them searching they're taking this thing around trying to figure out what the hell they can do with it it's similar in a way to what sony did with ratchet and clank right or insomniac really i guess but of just like all right we know ratchet does well here what if we do something? Oh no, nobody likes those. Nobody likes that. Okay, let's get back to just making ratchet games. Like mm-hmm. where, where do you go and where do you put Metroid? Is the big thing. And yeah. to Colin's point of the fact that they don't sell well, and that's why you don't get the Metroid game you want. I've said it before on our programming. I'm like, from an you know again an outsider standpoint, as somebody who didn't grow up with the Nintendo, but like appreciates what Z- or Metroid does. Right? Is I would say go backwards with it and make a simple 16 bit. Metroid, put it out on the eShop or whatever, get people stoked about that, excited about that, new fans come to yeah. it, everybody knows it's this awesome thing, it's tw- 14 bucks, 20 bucks, everybody downloads it, plays it, loves it, and then you start to build the the you know groundwork, or lay the groundwork to get yourself the next really big Metroid game. That would be amazing. 
I love. I mean, I feel like that is the the right way to go in terms of the the core gamer and what we would want from from Metroid if we're not going to get another Prime. Yeah. Even if we are getting another Prime, I kind of want that. That sounds sounds pretty good. Yeah. I mean, there's a few things that people ignore about this about this situation. I think a like Greg brought up. Metroid historically doesn't sell, and the whole series eleven games have sold about eighteen million copies, which is nothing. So, what was the dark? What was the Souls number today? So, that we, yeah, we were comparing it to Dark Souls. Namco Bandai announces that Dark Souls one and two sold eight million copies. So, like right there, you see a game that on average is selling three times more than a Metroid game, mm-hmm. and Metroid has this cachet with everyone, and but it's not a game that people buy. I think that. You know, I like Metroid. I love I love the original Metroid. I love Metroid Prime. Um, I love Super Metroid, although I think it's overrated. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of good Metroid games to play. But the fact of the matter is, people treat this like a marquee title, and it simply isn't. That's why Retro hasn't been making them. Now, um, there's another thing that we, we we ignore with Retro particularly is that people want Retro to make the game, and the po- possibility exists that they're autonomous enough to say like we don't want to make a Metroid game, and that's so that's possible too and when if if that hypothetical is possible then you have to hypothetically uh, assume that nintendo then goes around and is like well what do we do with this franchise if anything remember they metroid sells especially soft in japan and um them going to team ninja i think was a way for them to be like can we get the japanese audience on board and can we also you know make something that the rest of the world will like and buy and the answer of course was no um so to them, it's not so obvious what to do with Metroid. I think Greg makes a great point that if that's the case, then why put Metroid and attach it to anything? And I think it's that Nintendo's saying, well, well, we're trying to give you something, at least in the universe, while we figure out what we're going to do with this. As I've said before, Nintendo is in the space in between right now. So they, what, what do people want them to announce a Metroid game that they're going to strand on the Wii U so it sells half a million copies and no one gives a fuck about it? It's smarter for them to say, like, anything we have in production for Metroid, we need to shift over to the next console, and we need to be quiet about it. We have nothing to announce at that yeah, time, at this yeah. time. So it's entirely possible. People are way overreacting to this, mm-hmm. you know? Because um, you're right, Tim. This game being existing with probably a budget of a couple million dollars, maybe, is not going to stop them from giving 15 or $20 million to a studio to make a real Metroid game. It, they, they, one doesn't exist, you know, at the exclusion of the other. And mm-hmm. I think that that is an important point to make, yeah. and you made it. And I think in addition to that, though, it's not even just the fact that they're two different games. It's that this is a 3DS game. That is a Wii U game or whatever the hell. NX, you know, throw it up. Um, Sorry. But it's like it's it's just totally different. It's a different market. It's a different thing, you know. And, like, this game could have just been Federation Force, simply Federation Force. Mm But why? Like, even if Metroid doesn't sell, Federation Force isn't going to either. The Metroid at least helps a little bit, and it yeah, also it just builds. It does what Nintendo does and create a Nintendo universe. You know where it's like you have all of these different characters, and they have all these different spinoffs and all this different stuff. And it's like I don't know. Could I, the counter argument be the fact that we're sitting around right now tossing around Metroid sales? It doesn't sell compared to Dark Souls. Da da da. When Metroid Federation Force comes out and does even worse. Is the argument, and at least to a Metroid fan's opinion, they're going to be, well, of course, now Nintendo's looking at those numbers and thinking it's even, it means even less. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case. I, I still believe in my heart that there, there's a Metroid game in development. I, I, I just don't think that they can, they can say anything about it right now, because there's nothing to say. The game might be embryonic or in pre-pro. It might have just entered development. It could be an NX game in which they're not going to talk about it at all. Metroid isn't dead. They know what Metroid means. And I agree with Greg. I would love to see a really robust, as we saw with Axiom Verge, a robust, like, 2D side-scrolling Metroid, which we had seen on GBA and DS. Dread. But, but you know, I, 
people just really overestimate the power of Metroid. And I think Nintendo is probably, even though they have to do some PR spin to be like, all right, we hear you and all these kinds of things. And, and at, their, at their board meetings, they're probably like, who the fuck cares? Like, no one buys Metroid anyway. So, yeah, you know, we're going to make a Metroid game to please these people. But it doesn't matter that they're upset. They're going to. The only people. Let's back up. Right. The only people that care about this are the Nintendo hardcore fans who are fewer and fewer as every day passes. Right. And. When you diminish the, even that even that you know group of people to the people that care about Metroid, it's a much smaller group. And Nintendo's thoughts are in the exact opposite direction, which is like they're going to be there anyway. Mm-hmm. So what can we do? And they're going to buy Metroid when it comes out. And some of these people, if not a lot of them, are going to buy this Federation Force game. So let's not worry about them. What can we do to make Nintendo relevant again in the console space? And how, what what games and franchises can we create? And I say create to you know, engender the goodwill of a new generation of people, not regurgitate the same shit over and over and over again. And in a sense, them not doing another Metroid Prime half-assed, not from Retro, but from someone else, is a great example of them kind of treating their IP with care, which I think is something that they, with the exception of Mario, do pretty well. And um, so Nintendo is going in a different direction. This, as we said so many times, this is a new Nintendo. And I could feel it. Like, I know it. Like, this is a different, this is a different Nintendo. And everything they're doing is different. So... Metroid fans should take heart that a Metroid game will come out. The people I really, the only people I feel bad about are not the Metroid fans and not Nintendo, but the people making this game, because they're probably making a pretty good game, mm-hmm. and um, everyone hates it already. And it's yeah. not their fault. You but know? see, that's the thing about Nintendo games, though, is that whenever they're announced, whenever they're first talked about, everyone fucking jumps on it and hates it. And the media like criticizes it, and like all the comments, like this isn't what I want. Blah blah blah. Why this? Why that? But then it happened. It comes out and. I think generally it's always a surprisingly positive reaction. We saw it with Splatoon, where mm. when that game was announced, everyone was like, "This is fucking stupid. Why isn't this Metroid? You know, well, I, this, if we're gonna have a shooter, give me Metroid." Yeah, why is everyone obsessed with Metroid? And then all you know, all this stuff, and they're they're so mad about all it's this in stuff. Space. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're space. Space. And uh, but even with DS games, you know, mm. like it, like no, when right. these things are announced, these like smaller things, it's like, oh, why why am I not getting a Zelda? Why am I not getting whatever? But it's like then they come out and you're like, oh man, I love all these. Yeah. Games. yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. I, I'm not. I didn't play Federation Force, so I don't know if it's good or not. Uh, but going on to the Zelda game, like so many people are like, "Why? Oh, I just want. I don't want the Zelda bullshit. I want a core Zelda game. I don't want a Zelda spinoff." But it's like I do too. You I mean, that's what that's what I felt when I when I saw that. But I'm like, it doesn't matter. I'm, I, they don't care what I want. But, but but that's the thing though is it's just like Zelda is a franchise that we've gotten so many core games from. Mm-hmm. You know, and like, it's not like we're you already see it on the horizon. That's the yeah. difference. Like there's light at the end of the tunnel for Zelda. You mm-hmm. already see it. And you're like, oh my god, Skyrim Zelda is gonna be amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Metroid, I think the fans feel adrift. Yeah, but I mean, even on the, the not the console front, but the handheld front, it's like you know we got Link Between Worlds, we got Ocarina, we got Majora's Mask. Like the remakes, but still, um, like there there is a good amount of Zelda games, and like sure. when you add on the virtual console, when you add on all this other stuff, it's like we don't need need more Zelda like core games. We don't need any of this stuff. But when it comes to the spinoffs, I'm actually happy this game's happening. Like Four Swords Adventures was fucking awesome. Like, I remember the when it first happened on um, the the GBA remake of Link to the Past. Mm-hmm. When you could play multiplayer, I was like, whoa, this is a really cool idea. And then they released the GameCube one. Granted, it was way too hard and you needed way too many peripherals to actually, like... Make it all go. Make it work. Yeah. When it did work, oh, my God. It's like... It was a flip on the Zelda game. And it, it was fun and it was unique. And, like, you can... That's what Nintendo's great about is, like, taking experiences you know and love and then changing it up just enough to make you be like, whoa, this is a whole new experience and I love this and this is fun. 
those the four swords adventures was fun i loved playing with my friends the co-op slash kind of multiplayer thing the nintendo kind of made a thing again with like new super mario bros and all that stuff and like that's their their thing and mario 3d world and all that and even smash bros you know what i mean like it's competitive, but it's just fun, and you can kind of just mess around right. and all that it's stuff. It's not a big deal when you lose. Yeah. You, don't, you don't feel like you Mario Kart even. Anything. You know, yeah. it's like they they kind of have this really nice style of games that it's competitive fun. And uh, this Zelda game looks like that. So I don't know why people need – it's not – this. we're not not getting a Zelda game because this Zelda game is being made. Yeah, I, I agree that's with that the too. And, point. and to me, uh, two things stood out to me with that Zelda game. One, the 3DS is really showing its age. That game looks awful mm-hmm. in terms of its aesthetic. But – um, that r- brought to mind at E3 another thing to me, which is like they're they're gonna make another Zelda game and it's gonna be on their next handheld. Yeah, you know, like the the they're not quite in the space in between with 3ds yet, but I think they're pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, because they cannot they cannot continue to extract blood out of that stone for much longer. That thing is so weak. Well, you, forget, you know what I mean, it's like it's, it's, it's gonna unify the platforms. Th- yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that next and what even that is. But like 3ds is so weak that, and I'm not a graphics guy at all. But when I look at games like that, I'm like, this doesn't look bad. It just looks old. Yeah. And eventually, they're not going to be able to get away with that anymore. Um, they're already kind of not getting away with it, I think, in some respects. And so, again, it's them saying like, we have the uh, space in between Zelda for you right now, and mm-hmm. and we'll have the real Zelda. We just released a real Zelda game two years ago on 3ds. I don't know what the fuck people want, you know. <laughs> um, but you'll get your next Zelda game, and. Uh, so again, this is a Nintendo that is is riding things out right now. They're certainly riding the Wii U out, and uh, they're going to ride the 3DS out soon. You have to imagine, and these games will migrate over, and you're going to see your 3D Mario game, and you're going to see your Zelda game, and you're going to see you know this Wii U Zelda game probably ported over at some point, and um, and they'll have something to say when it's right. You see, you can't you Ubisoft had the luxury of announcing Watch Dogs as I've said before without announcing its platform, and everyone knew, but you couldn't really say. You can't really do that again. You know, so while I expected that Nintendo might have been bold enough to do it with something like Metroid, they they clearly are not going to say anything about the games until they have something to say about the hardware. And in a way, that is a unified message and a smart message, especially considering how woeful we use rollout was when no one even knew what the fuck it was. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, you, this is a Nintendo that's going to be that's going to have weak offerings for a while, but it's because it's 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 laying in wait and strengthening its future, which I think is actually the smarter move instead of like just shitting everything out now on a dead a, a console, which is totally fucking dead, mm-hmm. and a handheld, which is, for all intents and purposes, just not able to run the, their visions probably for much, very much longer. So people need to relax a little bit. Mm-hmm. Zelda will be fine. Metroid, you haven't seen the last of Metroid. It's impossible to imagine you've seen the last of Metroid. You probably haven't seen the last of F-Zero or anything like that either. It's just like, you know, all in good time. Mm. All in good time. Nintendo put themselves in a, pa- in a bad space, and they have to they have to... Lay in the bed, you know, that they made. So it happens. Get into bed, Miyamoto. Now. Lay down. All right. Topic number three comes from Patreon from our boy John Euling. I don't know how to spell or pronounce. U E H L I N G. I'm going to go with Euling. Euling, yeah. I would say Euling. All right, cool. John Euling. It's a long one. Shuhei Yoshida spoke about not being a fan of annualized series at DICE 2015. However, there's no denying that companies like Activision and Ubisoft make a lot of money doing so, i.e. Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed. Despite being moneymakers, the rush to make yearly deadlines and corporate obligations brings into question the quality because of bugs, as we've seen with Assassin's Creed Unity, or a perceived lack of innovation or stale gameplay and story from previous editions, like Call of Duty Ghost. 
Are there any series that you envision being on the cusp of annualization? Which of your beloved series of games would you love to see annualized? With the caveat that it's normally extremely high standards may take a hit in order to reach the yearly quota. Mm. For example, instead of 9 to 10 scores every three years, it would generally get 7 to 8, with occasional 6 and 9s for stale slash excellent iterations. I think that's actually a good way to look at it. Thanks, and keep up the great work. P.S. to Greg. M-I-Z. Z-O-U. There you go. Is anything on the cusp of annualization? I mean, no. Right? I mean, what would we think would be on the cusp? You figure... I'm thinking. Like, the Assassin's Creed model, right, where it's Mm -hmm. different studios switching off. It seemed for a while that they were trying to do that with Arkham, right? Mm. And they wouldn't have been Mm. annual, annual. But when they brought WB Montreal into the fray, people were like, oh, now we're going to start getting an Arkham game every year, every two years or whatever. Or DC game, you know what I mean? Exactly. Even if it wasn't Batman. Exactly, exactly, exactly. And now now WB Montreal, of course, this week was announced that that these things are out there hiring for a new IP, so we'll see what that means Mm. exactly. Um... But on the cusp, I mean, you have to talk about a franchise that's super successful, and most people are smart enough now, I feel, to know that that's what he's describing. What's it? Was it Tom? Ewing? John. John, John Ewing. What John's describing there is the fact, the matter. If you yeah. go to this annualization scale, you start to lose quality. You start to tire out the audience. Yeah. And so how do you make that work? I really feel like, and Colin, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Tim, obviously, too. I'll allow it for once. Assassin's Creed feels like the last franchise that kind of jumped on that annualization train and now it's like we're out of the station you can't I don't think you can pull that off again and do it Mm -hmm. I mean it's interesting because I feel like we're in a a renaissance of the annualization thing and it's a a very different type because now it's way more important but back in like even the PS2 era there was so many games that they were annualized like in addition to the Maddens and stuff like that like Tony Hawk Need for Speed like these games just happened every year you know um and then eventually that kind of that style died out for a bit and then it did come back with call of duty and assassin's creed guitar hero and like oh yeah exactly guitar hero rock Rock band band. and all that so i don't do you have any good examples no i mean where my mind goes where my mind went in terms of recent is assassin's creed i don't see anything jumping aboard that because i don't think that the model is necessarily sustainable i do Mm. disagree with what he's saying that you exchange quality uh, for regularity because that doesn't necessarily have to be true. And I think Call of Duty is actually an example of that being true. Um, Activision has the means to have three studios plus basically every one of their other studios jump in and out to help with Call of Duty in such a way that the same studio isn't responsible for the game every year because that would not be possible. So Call of Duty is on a three-year dev cycle, which is normal for a game. Three years is a normal normal cycle for for the creation of a game. So... um, you don't necessarily have to sacrifice it if you have the means in which to create top tier AAA games, which mm-hmm. they, which whether you like dislike or like Call of Duty, they're not bad games. Yeah, um, not even not even remotely are they bad. Um, they, I've said before, and I'll say it again: Call of Duty has the best gunplay of any game. Like they've just totally nailed it. And why, like why companies don't just copy the way Call of Duty feels is you know totally beyond my understanding. But. Um, what he is right about is the staleness factor, and I think that that is the big concern with a lot of publishers because Call of Duty sales are not lowering, but they are plateauing. And what people have seen, I think, in the industry over the last two years or so is a great example of what happens when you leave and disappear and then reappear with the game, and that game is Grand Theft Auto V. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
And which essentially was annualized. It was annualized, and it was being done by a lot of the same teams too. And I think that they were extracting as much out of the, that, that they could out of that engine, and they saw great commercial and financial success. But what they didn't see is what they saw with Grand Theft Auto Five, which was a ubiquitous crossover game. Grand Theft Cultural Auto phenomenon, exactly. Grand Theft Auto Three and Vice City and, and San Andreas were great games, and people enjoyed them outside of the gaming realm, mostly because PS Two was so was selling so well. By the time San Andreas came out, over a hundred million PS Twos were out there. So. It was it was it was volume, right? And that's why people learned to do it. With GTA four, when GTA four came out in two thousand eight, there were not that many consoles out there. There were maybe forty million mm-hmm. at that time. Yet GTA four was a phenomenon that pushed hardware. And what Rockstar saw was like, this is the way we should be doing things. Making big meaty games that we can stand behind. We invest a lot of money in the front, we get a lot of money behind it, uh, and then we get a lot of money back afterwards. Plus we make really meaty DLC, which they did with uh, the Ballad of Gay Tony and the Lost and the Damned, which were great pieces of DLC. I, I wish they do this for five. And I think they will. I think that they're just focusing more on GTA five. But then right but then they just went quiet again. Mm-hmm. And then they came back and they made all of their money back in one day from the development of Grand Theft Auto V, plus hundreds of millions of dollars, presumably, in profit in a very short amount of time. And that probably raises the bells at Ubisoft and, and Activision being like, we don't have to support all these studios. Rockstar North is the studio that's making these games, mm. and we can just support a three or four or 500-person team plus our, our satellite teams and our PR people and, and our home office and all that kind of stuff, and then make a lot of money on the back end if we're more patient. And so I think what we're seeing is not necessarily a renaissance of annualization, but the exact opposite, which is the reconsidering of annualization that has happened for probably the last 10 years or so. And a way that they can pull back the reins a little bit and be like, we can be smarter with our money by investing more in the front and getting more in the back because this is more of an event. Yeah. And that's why Call of Duty is plateauing. It's not the, – the sales aren't going down, but they're not going up. Mm-hmm. And that should be a worrying sign because a lot of these Call of Duty games are already in development. Um, but see, I think yeah. that's, that's the way they look at it though is it's like they're not putting all their eggs in that basket. That's just another thing they do. So it's like – Whereas, you know, GTA, that's that's it. Like, they, they just do that, and that's their event or whatever. But then it's like, with this, I feel like with Call of Duty and Assassin's Creed, like, obviously, Ubisoft makes a ton of different games, you know? So it's like, they can annualize. They have they have this cash cow, the reliability to get the money here, but then have the other things to get the money there and there, you know? True. And it's just like, there's not too many uh, devs that have that kind of reach, but Ubisoft, Activision, they are, you know? Sure, but I think that... Assassin's Creed is the canary in the coal mine, I think, because Assassin's Creed's big and it's going to be profitable and it's going to do well this year and it looks fun. I'm not going to play it, but it looks fine. The the but here's the thing is that I think demonstrably, if not anecdotally, uh, excitement for Assassin's Creed is going down, and they're locked into this now. And the series is clearly coming to an end as well because it has to. I mean, they're getting to almost to modern day. The game the game has to wrap up at some point. Then we go to space. Yeah, right. Yes. They probably will. I think that annualizing Assassin's Creed was actually a huge mistake because Assassin's Creed, in my opinion, I want to put that in my opinion, was never good enough to justify it being out every year. And so there's like two tiers of Assassin's Creed games, the ones that people accept and then the ones that are like the in-betweens, right? Mm-hmm. That people are like, well, Brotherhood wasn't really an Assassin's Creed game. And I'm like, well, it was an Assassin's Creed game, you know? Um What would have Assassin's Creed looked like if there were only four of them and they were fucking awesome? You know, people stopped and, and focused and exactly. Like, hey, let's see what we can do with this. Push the boundaries exactly. And like, I think Ubisoft, yeah, they make money and and they they I appreciate their candor and saying like we make these games every year because the market demands them every year and that's true. But what could Assassin's Creed sell fifteen million or twenty million copies if it disappeared? And is that a relevant thing to ask yourself? Because then you don't have all these dueling studios that you own that can be making other games doing the same thing. And I think that. Ubisoft might be taking a hint at this because I was surprised to not see Watch Dogs 2 this year, which is clearly in development. 
And I'm not saying it's coming out this year, but I'm surprised I didn't see it at E3. And this might be showing a more careful approach to these games, a more judicious use of assets and resources, which I think Sony is really good at doing, um, which is why you will never see an annualized. They only have one annualized game, which is MLB. Um, and that is a studio, Sony San Diego, that is totally dedicated to that game. Um, and this also brings up a point that I, I brought up to Rammer at EA Sports when we were talking about NHL 16, which was, are these games eventually not going to be annualized too? In other words, are you going to make a platform? We often talk about it with Gran Turismo, which I think would be a game as platform, and I think we're going to see that. Um, and he was like, that is the, you know, I, I'm paraphrasing, but he basically said in the interview, like, that is kind of what we think is going to happen. And so I think the annualization thing is collapsing. I don't think you're going to see it. It's not like a, it's not an earthquake that's going to bring it all crumbling down now. Yeah. But you're going to start seeing diminishing returns because there are more games to buy. There are better quality games to buy. And when something like, um, uh, what's a good example? Like Uncharted 4 is a great example. When Uncharted 4 comes out, well, it's been four years since we saw Uncharted, you know, and that means something to me. I'd be less excited about Uncharted 4 if I or if it was really Uncharted 6 and I had just played 3 or 4 and 5, you know, the mm-hmm. last year and 2 years ago. Same thing with Fallout, yeah. right? The yeah, exactly. We all flipped out to finally have Fallout 4 announced and know something about Fallout. Well, it's cuz it's been gone forever. We're mm-hmm. excited to see it again. Whereas Assassin's Creed like when Kotaku will leak Assassin's Creed you're like, "All right, well, I don't even need to read it cuz I knew this was yeah, coming. Give me I'm the not excited." Of, where is it going to be? Exactly. Where you is know, it? What's the time? Cool. All right, cool. Done. done. And yeah. there is a big difference in it, like there's a strata of uh, between the, the the developers and the and really the publishers that seem to treat their IP with greater care. And I think Bethesda is a great example of that. Yeah. And then the uh, the stakeholders that are that are trying to make as much money as as much as humanly possible, as soon as humanly possible, which is Activision. And I'm not saying one is better than the other, but I'm saying that people feel much more positively about Bethesda than they do about Activision because Bethesda doesn't shove their games down people's throats every year. Um, Bethesda could easily take the engine for Skyrim, could have taken the engine for Skyrim, given it to three different studios and been like, you make Elder Scrolls 6, you make Elder Scrolls 7, you make Elder Scrolls 8. Your game comes out 2015, your game comes out 2016, your game comes out 2017. They could easily do that. There are fucking studios that fall all over themselves to make a fucking Elder Scrolls game or a Fallout game, but they don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, They did that with New Vegas, and New Vegas was a game that took two years or three years, I guess, to make, and it was awesome, and then they just disappeared. You know, you have to kind of hit and run like that mm-hmm. to, to treat your IP with care. I think Ubisoft is certainly, is certainly starting to bend the curve towards Activision in a way that makes me a little bit uncomfortable because I still think that they're the most real, regular AAA publisher out there. Um, I think you can learn a great deal by by the more judicious use of IP uh, that you see from something like Microsoft with Halo or Gears. I don't know. It's it's a da- it's a dangerous game to play to oversaturate and annualize things in the AAA space. I do think that there's room in the A space to, tri- yeah. to annualize games. Um, yeah, this question of like what should be annualized and whatever. I think it's anything. I think it's when we get away from story and you talk about gameplay. Wait, let's talk, you always talk about Castlevania, right? Mm-hmm. If they were to put out side-scrolling Castlevanias every year, you'd buy them, and, and they did. Thrilled. They did, and, and that's the thing is that they did. So we saw it. We saw it in action, and it was fucking awesome. It was glorious. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a glorious time to be a DS owner and a GBA owner. But then they stopped, and and yeah. and whatever. And so there are games that exist outside of the AAA realm that could be annualized because it is about gameplay. The experience is gameplay. The experience is not necessarily story. 2D Mario games. That's how yeah. I feel sure. about them. And it's like it's. I say that, and then everyone bitches about it at the same time. Oh, it was too much Mario. But it's like whatever, dude. Fun. If it's Who an annualized care? game, like yeah. cool. Just keep giving me it. And with I'm, Mario Maker, we'll see that. Yeah. I mean, for me, I mean, like just to rattle off things. Of course, Pat upon for me because I'm just playing mm. that for the fun. So do that, right? So Pat upon, uh, I would think about uh, Shovel Knight as a recent example. Hotline Miami, Rogue Legacy. I would love a Rogue Legacy every year. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? With a new dungeon, new castle to go down and take everybody down and do stuff like that. Like those games where it's like I don't give a flying fuck about the story. I'm just here to play and have fun playing. That's what I want. Just give me that. Yeah, mm. cheap games that are cheap to make, 
with low overhead that only have to sell 100,000 units to become profitable mm -hmm. at $20 a piece is really the way to go. And I think that that's totally possible, but again, it, confl it, can, it conflicts with the annualization as a platform as opposed to annualizing a product. Yeah. And, and I think that this is a conundrum that needs to be overcome by some brave publisher. And I still think that the publisher that can do it and, and I think might do it first is EA. Um, because I think they have to do the math to say, like, we don't really need all of these studios making these games every year. We can we can take EA Canada, have them spend three years on a beautiful hockey game that we can then support after that. And they don't need to worry about getting these things in a box. They make people don't appreciate how hard it is. These guys get a lot of shit. It is really fucking hard to make a video game, and they're making a game in nine months. Yep. Nine months. Same with the Madden yep. team, all these sports teams. It's, you know, yeah, it's San so do San Diego, yep. the guys do Madden, the guys do FIFA. That, like, people like to shit on EA, but the fact of the matter is, like, those those games are really hard to make. It's just unfortunate that those developers are put in that position where they have to make sacrifices, as they did with NHL 15 uh, last year, which was fucking awful, on uh, PS4 and Xbox One in terms of feature set, because they didn't have time. Mm -hmm. So imagine a world where EA Canada had time, and they could support a product for years, and... Not have to worry about churning games out on an annual basis. It seems like the annualization thing is, like I said, certainly going to collapse. Not necessarily due to financial pressures, but due to the, the, the kind of the dearth of creativity when you have that kind of pressure. And I think Rockstar is the proof in the pudding, man. Like they, Grand Theft Auto is is a fucking phenomenon because they do not fuck with it, mm -hmm. and they treat it with care. And they could so easily fuck with Grand Theft Auto. Like I just said with yeah. Bethesda and that and the engine for Skyrim and the engine for Fallout Four. They could have been like, here you go. Make a Grand Theft Auto game. You have two years. You know, Grand Theft Auto Chicago, mm -hmm. Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. And they just up. don't do it. And and they fucking make an enormous amount of money. Mm -hmm. You know, so I don't know. It's a complicated question. It's a good question though. Very yeah. good question. Thank you so much, man. All right, Euling, John Euling. Moving on, topic four. Once again, we are sponsored by Tops. Thank you so much, Tops. Star Wars Card Trader is the official Star Wars digital trading card app available now exclusively on the App Store and Google Play. Open, trade, and collect cards entirely online. Your favorite characters, vehicles, and locations from the Star Wars universe can be traded and collected anywhere at any time. Download today and for a limited time only, get five or more free packs per day. Get the first cards from Star Wars The Force Awakens in vintage-inspired 1977 Star Wars designs. Star Wars Card Trader is currently the only place to get Star Wars The Force Awakens merchandise. Collect from 30 years of officially licensed Star Wars trading cards from the vintage era through to today, with new cards being released every single day. Classic moments like Together We Can Rule the Galaxy as Father and Son, The Metal Ceremony, I Find Your Lack of Faith Disturbing, The Arena Battle in Genosis, all of them are there. Classic locations, Hoth, Bespin, you know what's up. From the team that brought you the award-winning and top-grossing baseball app, Tops Bunt, download Star Wars Card Trader today. Head on over to tops.com slash kindoffunny. That's T-O-P-P-S dot com slash kindoffunny. Thank you. Tim. What up? What is the update on the Watto card? The Watto card? Do we know about the Watto card? I do not know, but we should look into that. <laughs> There's a chance it's there. I Ooh. hope it's I hope it's you can, know, the future can you, version can you of Watto. Can you look for us? The Star Wars card trader app? Watto. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you. Use uh, use the code tops.com slash kind of funny. Thank Don't you. Don't screw this up for us, Kevin. All right. Um, so, once again, we are going to respond to the user questions and comments if you want us to respond to your comments go to the kind of funny forums at kind of funny.com slash forums go to the games games cast forum and then leave your leave your questions in there and we'll get back to you just like we're about to do to lucas betta lucas betta he wants to know what are the most important franchises that began last generation that began last generation uncharted gears 
Yeah, Gears. Yeah, Uncharted. Mm. Assassin's Creed. Sure. I'm thinking like what I'm, I'm running through my shelf. Dark Souls. Mm. Batman. Mm. Yeah, the Arkham games. Sure. Um hmm. Dark Void. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know no, about that. That, yeah, game, no, that game was no. that game was pretty rough. Launching all in North Korea. Just saying, everybody. Um, hmm. I feel like there's some that we're resistance. Green and like oh god, yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll, there are more than Dead Space. Mm, yeah, it was just important franchises. Yeah, the most important. Or the most important. I mean, I feel like the most important are Uncharted and Gears. You know, those are now the two synonymous with their franchise faces their of consoles. The consoles, right? Like, I mean, you know, Microsoft still has Halo, but Gears is up there. It's their other, yeah. You know, yeah. Whereas Uncharted, it's it's hard with Sony because when you think Sony, I don't think there is one game that you're like, yep, Sony. In the same way that Halo is Microsoft, you don't think it's Uncharted, now? but I, I think that Uncharted would be it. Yeah, if, if you know, if you had to choose one. Yeah, but for some reason, like Uncharted doesn't have the same. I don't know what it is, but it doesn't have the same thing Halo does in terms of the link to the system. To sure, me, sure. At least for a while, they were trying really hard with Little Big Planet. That's from last generation. Too. Yeah, we're putting Sackboy mm-hmm. out there, but then that kind of feels like it fizzled with Little yeah. Big Planet three launching broken, and then nobody caring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one really does care about Little Big Planet. That's true. <laughs> for a while, it was doing real hot, and mm-hmm. then just fell off. Oh, LBB two is huge. Yeah, but they they made a mistake by well oh, being the Guitar Hero games. Oh yeah, and Rock yeah, Band. That's really good. That's a good one. No. Didn't those games start oh, fuck on PS2? You're right. Yeah, it's PS2. Damn. Um, well, Rock, rock Band. band. Rock Band. But, I mean, rock it's, still, I still, it's still kind of a... Yeah. That's a splinter of Guitar Hero. Still, though, I, I'd say Rock Band's different enough than Guitar Hero. Sure. That it gets its own nod. I think you're giving a nod. It gets the nod. I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I'm that's just infamous. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, now we're just naming. Now anything. we're just getting we're just into things, things that are. We've gone down the list. Here. Uncharted <laughs> right, and right, Gears. Right. We should have moved on. So we are moving on. Interested on your thoughts on Sony promoting a Kickstarter in their press conference? Will this be something that happens again? Yes, it will be. But the, the, and I said this, I think on on Colin and Greg, I was shocked by people by people's reaction to this because this is something I've been saying for years now. Because this isn't the first time Sony has done this. And with amplitude, right? They did with amplitude. And they did it with sports friends, which was which was an even bigger example because I was like, and I remember saying at the time, I'm like, two, two, two and a half, three years ago, whatever it was, would be like, this is kind of weird, isn't it? Like they're like they're promoting this game, and they're and they have a blog post of pointing people to a Kickstarter. I'm like, if you believe in it enough, you should just pay for it. And I said the same thing with amplitude, which I think was fucking nonsense because they own that IP, you know. So it, it's different with sports friends, which is just a third party game. They own amplitude and they still were like okay we'll give you the right to, to make a kickstarter for it so th- i thought that was weird when no one that didn't resonate with anyone i stopped talking about it so i was shocked i think people just don't pay that close attention so mm-hmm. like this was like to, to a lot of people this was the first time sony ever did this but it is not the first time sony has ever done this um so yeah i think you'll see more of it i understand why things are unsavory to people it is weird um yeah. but you have to understand there's a lot of complicated shit with this ip sega owns this ip um sony is clearly going to help fund it in the back end probably it's unclear i don't know i don't see how you can make a game like shenmue for five million dollars doesn't make any sense 
Um, so there, there are a lot of questions to be asked, but I am more shocked about how people are, are acting like this is a new thing Sony has done when Sony has done this before. That was yeah. that was the biggest thing I walked away from, actually, with it. I feel like it's a game that wouldn't happen without I mean, that's Sony my thing, intervening. Like, so can we, I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, like, for sports friends, mm-hmm. a little bit different amplitude of thing you own, but for this game, right, that is tied up and there's so many different threads but to it. But I mean, it. even amplitude. Amplitude would never happen if it wasn't for this. Like, that's just a game that's just, it's not going to sell that well. Period. And I feel like it's going to sell better because they had a Kickstarter. Yeah. Like, that just kind of brought back the kind of publicity. And I think Shenmue is a perfect example, too, where it's like that t- the type of conversations being started now because they're doing this, mm-hmm. whether or not they're negative, it's raising awareness for sure. Right. You it's know? one of those things, like, it's similar to when just in general Kickstarter happened and Colin would have problems with it and stuff. I'm just like, well, I want that game. Like, mm-hmm. it's not going to happen any other way. And granted, there's the examples of games that clearly would have happened without Kickstarter. But if this is how this game has to be to make it happen, okay, I'm fine with that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I guess for me, it's like, it's definitely unsavory and it definitely is weird. But whether or not it would happen if it didn't happen, if it, there wasn't a Kickstarter, to me, that's the first thing. I'm just like, whatever. This game wouldn't have happened unless there was a Kickstarter. But on top of that, it's like, even if the game would have happened, I'm just supporting the thing I want. Like, if it's just an extra option, you don't have to do it. And it is as unsavory and weird as it is. It's like, whatever. If I want to support this thing, I'm happy there's an option to. You know, it's weird that they did it during a, their press conference. But at the same time, that's also the best promotion for a Kickstarter ever. Yeah. Hey, everyone's watching this thing. Online, I'm going to make it announce right now. Right now. <laughs> Go do this thing now. Like, that's business, man. Like, that's yeah. smart. Like, it's literally, hey, I want your money right now. Yeah. I'm going to tell you something that's going to get you real excited. Like, all right, cool. When I finally convince you to give me the pad upon rights and I start my Kickstarter, I'm going to do a similar way. Probably mm-hmm. at PSX now. That'll be good. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Dan Phillips wants to know, are we fans of retro game collecting and have we ever thought about doing it ourselves? Yeah, I mean, he, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of it. I have a big retro game collection. Um, but I feel like it's, 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 a thing, it's a thing that will always exist, but the art of doing it is kind of waning um, because of the digital revolution. So... It's more important to me that these things are available digitally for everyone to play at some point as opposed to having like a cartridge of an obscure game that is only playable on a cartridge. Mm-hmm. At some point you have to worry about like making sure these things are here for generations. History. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I respect it. I'm a fan of it in terms of looking in collections and going through people's collections or being at the store, right? And, or like whenever we go to a PAX and walking mm-hmm. through little things and like marveling over cartridges I remember, right? But like do I do it myself? No. Like I've always – I really hate having – collections like i got out of that when we when i was growing up i was very much like i if i wanted the new game i had to hustle and trade in other stuff so i was always trying to cycle out a collection not keep a library going and so like when i was back in missouri this last time i was walking downtown went to slackers which is the store in columbia that resells video games and stuff and they had this huge collection of genesis games and we just got in the retron and so i started pulling things off shelves and i had like four cartridges in my hands i was like no put them all back like this is not i'm not going down this road of bringing them home to our small san francisco apartment and trying to figure out where the hell they are for us to do two let's plays and never do anything again with them right like Mm -hmm. i try to keep games over there on the shelf and that means something to me like a bunch of master system stuff right and a signed copy of infamous and i took a photo uh, over the last week of Metal Gear Solid on the PlayStation 1 like yeah I try to keep the stuff that means something to me but other, and everything else I'm not too worried about yeah I mean I, I obviously am a huge fan of that stuff because I love retro games and I'm a hoarder when it comes to this shit and yeah. I like collections I like collecting things and I like having physical stuff so the idea of having all the games that meant something to me even from a small even in a small way like just oh I rented that once you know, it's just like, that's weird, but it means something to me. And even just having it, 
there's something about having it that I'm sure. like, I love this. But then it's like you really got to question, is this worth going down this rabbit hole? Because I know how I get. And yeah. like if I if I bought Crash 1, well, I'm going to need Crash 2 and 3. Right. You know, if I buy Spyro 2, I need to buy the first one and the third one, even if I didn't play the third one. You know what I mean? It's like I I have this completionist thing in me where it's like I need to just go crazy with all of it. And that it's the same thing with my Blu-rays. It's the same thing where it's the reason I try not to buy comics. Because that's just a rabbit hole of death. Yeah, yeah. You know, but when, when it comes to the retro games, it's like, I know one day I'm going to cave, and I know one day I'm going to spend thousands of dollars. Exactly. Buying I can think, all my games. I can envision a future where I have like a cool man cave theater or whatever space you want to call it, right? Where it's a nice TV and like all the consoles like are organized out and mm-hmm. accessible. And when I do that, like you know having kevin come over and drill through the back of the wood to have it all go down one hole for every system and and then like the walls being shelved and having everything but that's like not possible in san francisco that's when we sell this company to google and i go retire to columbia you know what i yeah. mean like so it's, it's interesting but i definitely do really really respect um the people that do it and it's mm, always interesting mm. to see how into it they get and like when people get like sam claiborne at ign i mean yeah. like his Whenever he gets excited about these random things that I never heard about, I'm like, that's fucking cool. Yeah. You know, like, there's this whole ecosystem of people that, like, buy and trade and, like, all that stuff. And I'm super interested in that, even if that's definitely not something I'm – I don't care about having something just because it's rare. Yeah. Um, I do care about having the rarest version of things I care about. I love that I saw this Bless happening. You. Bless you. Yeah, Colin <laughs> looked very concerned for I don't know second. where that came from. Yeah. But uh, more importantly, <laughs> Kevin has updated us. Uh-oh. There is a water card. Yay! <laughs> so uh, he's a junk mother. dealer. That's that's yeah. Thank, thank you. you very Star much, Kevin. Tops. Good job. Goat choker. Jesus <laughs> wants to know why do indie devs suck at announcing release dates? Because they're a small team. Yeah, it's hard. I think that a lot of them are, are afraid to commit to dates ahead of time because they know they can get squashed pretty easily by a AAA release that happens yeah. the same day, which is unfortunate. And I also think that. They have to send the games through cert and often get games kicked back to them. So certification is hard to get through. And um, they're typically less experienced at doing it. So when the game's catastrophically broken and, and cert, you know, certification um, is a really rigorous and weird thing for a game to go through where you have to make sure, you know, do you have the trademark logo after PlayStation every time you use it? Do you... Are you using the right button things? Is this clear that this is online? And all like have there's a lot of random a shit. That like gets kicked back in certification all the time, and so I think that they're less prone to be able to deal with that initially, and then when it gets kicked back, they have to fix it, as opposed to having a whole team of people to fix it. So I think there are a lot of like reasons that they don't want to get too ahead of themselves until they are sure they are ready to go, mm-hmm. as opposed to a bigger developer that is confident that they'll push their game gold and send it to cert, and then they'll get through. Um, I think that a lot, that probably has a great deal to do with it. Totally, I think it's just the fact that it's a huge undertaking to get a game out mm-hmm. when you're four or five even 10 12 guys yeah and so yeah it's hard you the game's done when it's done <laughs> and there's all right less of a reason to announce a release date too because you don't have stockholders and yeah, shareholders yeah. to worry about as i was about to read the next question kevin kevin then texted me another another great <laughs> great image that you're gonna need to show this to the people all right please download this image of uh boba, boba uh, fett who is labeled as a Django Fett clone, <laughs> and he does not look cool at all. 
Oh, Finally, good. someone's calling him out on what he is. Good lord. A long-haired hippie kid. <laughs> Just out there to fight the galaxy. Thanks for that, Kevin. All right. Wrong former says... Raj Former. Wants us to talk about bad ports and how much it matters. Relevant because of Arkham Knight running like garbage on PC. It matters a lot. And it matters a lot when people like Kotaku or people like Kotaku break stories such as uh, we, you know, that WB knew it was broken mm-hmm. um, and released it anyway. It's it's a huge problem. It was, as PlayStation-centric gamers like Greg and I are, we, we dealt with bad ports uh, last generation where unless you were getting a developer or a game from a Japanese developer, it was typical that you would probably get the worst version of the like game Bayonetta, on PS3 every time. Yeah, Bayonetta Final Fantasy XIII was better on PS3. There was a lot of examples of that, but very rare. Mm-hmm. Um Bad ports matter, and it sets a bad uh, it sets a bad rhythm for your console. PS3 mm-hmm. became known as a place where you didn't play third party games if you had an Xbox 360 because yep. you, you know, they looked bad. They, they looked bad. They worse. ran bad. You got them late. I mean, we got games like Bioshock really late. Orange Box was a great example of a game that was awful um, on PS3. Um, so it matters because then it has a, a, a trickle down effect on the library of games you get in the future, and of course the money that the console manufacturer makes to put out more games in the future as well. So. Um, the fact that Sony has nipped that in the bud this time and, and, and clearly has the advantage over Xbox One in terms of power means that they now have the advantage that they lacked last generation, which I think matters a great deal. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think it's proving out in the sales. Semiotic Love says, how about ReCore? Was it revealed too soon considering it is only 14 months into development? Maybe. I, I was surprised uh, that it was revealed that soon, but I don't know. I think that Microsoft has to make moves to show that they have a diverse catalog of games, and they certainly do. I think they have the better announced catalog games of Sony by far, um, you know, in comparison. Um, but I don't know. I don't know how much Armature has really been able to do in that short amount of time. So the game could only be 15 months or a year and a half away. It's not, It's not. you know, maybe less than that. Mm-hmm. It's not unheard of, but it, I mean, it's, I don't think that, I think that was a, one of those announcements you put in your press conference to get people excited. That's crazy. I never expected it, but I don't know many people who have been hanging their hats on Record is my most anticipated game, yeah. right? Because it was a cool trailer, and that was it. And now, okay, now they go into the darkness, and maybe next year they come yeah. back with. I mean, it's good too. Just like, hey, here's a new IP. Here, like we are doing yep. something new. Yep, so yep, yep, yep. Things you'll are coming. see it when it when it happens. All right. Last question comes from Indie Rockstar seventy five. He says, Tim, are you still excited for Kingdom Hearts three, even though there's still no release date, and it seems like it's never going to come out? Yes, you know we we, we talk, <laughs> we've talked about Kingdom Hearts three extensively on this show, and it's, it's, we're going to keep talking about it because it's going to keep being revealed 10 million times in different ways, you know? But my thing is, specifically this trailer at E3, I've watched so many times, and, like, even last night, I was at dinner with my friend, and I showed him it, because, like, we are big Kingdom Hearts fans, and he's been, he's not, like, a a guy that reads gaming sites every day, so sure. he doesn't really keep he's up to it. And I, I showed him the stuff, and he's just like, fuck, man, I'm stoked for this. I'm like, yeah, don't get too stoked. Like, it's not coming for a long time. But really, like, looking at the trailer, I'm like, this game looks awesome. Like, the game looks good. It does look like, good. It looks, like, graphically, it's amazing. There's certain scenes in that trailer that just show how big the world is, and I'm like, good lord. Like, I never imagined a Kingdom Hearts game to be like this. So I think the game's actually going to be really good, and, like, the, if they take a million years to make it, whatever. Like, I don't need to play it right now, and I think that's yeah. the, the biggest thing. It was the reveal. that was, They revealed it too soon. Everyone knows that. It's, it's a big difference between... You know, a lot of people have been asking me about Fallout 4 and how done I think the game is, and I keep telling them I think the game's done. Mm-hmm. I think that... Uh, they're an alpha and that they're probably polishing now and you know getting into a fine sheen and, mm-hmm. and fixing bugs and squashing bugs. They announced a game that was done. Rad bugs. Rad bugs, yeah, mm-hmm. rad bugs. Uh, 
they were at the advantage of sitting on a game for years and re- and revealing it at the right time. The way Bethesda did it is the way everyone should be doing it, and I think you're going to see a lot more of that in the future, mm-hmm. as opposed to the Kingdom Hearts kind of scenario, which is the exact opposite. I'm curious about how. I'm curious. You know, you talk about the world and stuff. I'm curious how complete that world is. I'm curious about how vertical that slice was that was shown at. In other words, like. Did they polish that to a sheen as you often do with a vertical slice, or is there more of the game that looks like that and plays yeah. like that? And my 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 my, I bet that there probably is a bigger portion of the game that plays like that. I think they're probably getting somewhere now with it. Yeah. Um. But you know, it's just it's just such a big difference from Fallout Four, which we only we only just wished for and was announced, and it's like the game, the way they showed the game off and stuff like that. I'm like the game's done. Mm-hmm. You know, like they finished the game. Now they're gonna like. Yeah, the quests all are there. Everything's there. The world's there now. They have to go through and make sure everything works properly. But like they announced the game that was done, and that's why everyone's so fucking excited about it. Yeah, and, and that is it's shitty that Kingdom Hearts is like that. But I feel like a, a big difference with Kingdom Hearts is that I remember we were playing one, and then I remember the wait for two felt like forever. And I don't remember the the years difference, but I think it was like four or five years between one and two, or maybe I was just young and it felt I don't think it was way that longer long. than it was. Um, but then. You know, the wait between two and three, if you don't count all the, the other ones, it's like, that's been ridiculous. So the fact that they actually even It'll be announced a decade, yeah, more than Kingdom a Hearts 3, yeah. I was like, uh, two years ago at E3, shocked that it's like, they did it. They actually announced number three. This isn't some spinoff. This isn't whatever. It's happening. Um, and I was very surprised with how much they showed during um, that first trailer. Well, it was all CG. It was all whatever. But there was gameplay in it. You know, like, whether or not. Like, I didn't believe that it was real gameplay. It just looked like CG mm-hmm. gameplay. But then now that I see this, I'm like, oh, shit. That gameplay that we saw a couple years ago was gameplay. It just didn't have the Hudson stuff. Right. And uh, so you're saying at the vertical slice, I definitely do think that this is just what's done of the game so far. But I'm surprised that even that much of the game is in a state to be shown like that. And it was two years ago, too, because we've seen other things like that. And all the Disneyland rides being, I don't even know. Not, they're not summons, but like specials or, or something. But... Either way, I am more excited for Kingdom Hearts 3 than I've ever been, and um, that's the opposite of Final Fantasy 15, which both of them I've been waiting for for about the same amount of time. And Final Fantasy 15 is getting to the point where I'm like, am I even going to actually sit down and play this? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Whereas Kingdom Hearts 3, I am definitely sitting down and playing, and I'm more excited than ever to do that. So. We'll keep being excited. You'll be this excited in Forever. two years. Yeah, I know. It's going to be great. And it still won't be out. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been uh, the first and last ever 26th episode of the Kind of Funny Games Tim's cast. age. I'm 26 now. This is weird. I need to get used to it. I'm so used to saying I'm 22. Just go. Yeah. Just go away. I'm done, dude. I'm done. All right. Bye, guys. I love you. Bye. <laughs>